the, the hits keep on coming. Here comes Greg Meyer, 1983 Boston Marathon champion. We're getting him on here. He's been waiting for a couple minutes. So hopefully we'll see Greg here in one sec. There he is. Greg. So he should, uh, we should have just a second here before he connects. Bob's, you take the lead. Okay. He's almost there. Can't hear you. Can't hear you yet. Here he goes. There we go. Hey, Greg. Hey, how's it going? Good. It's How are you doing, man? Not too bad. Hey, I've got a collector's item here. 2020 Boston Marathon hat. <laughs> Look oh. at that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, Greg, how are you? Uh, how are you doing in these trying times? Um, busy actually. I, I work at a hospital, so oh, geez, um, a lot of stuff going on. Luckily, I'm on the community side of things, so I don't have to see patients or anything. But it's it's pretty hectic, and it's kind of shocking what it's going to do to the healthcare system in the country over the yeah, next few months. We really appreciate you taking the time to to do this silly thing with us, then. No, it's not a silly thing. It's I miss being in Boston today, and I'm sure you do too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, By the way, great run last year. I never saw you afterwards. Oh, thank you so much. I wish we could be in a Grand Rapids coming up soon, but I know. Yeah, yeah, that that got pushed back though. You'll get a great field. So I don't know. I you know it's one of those things where if people want to run a marathon in the fall, you get Boston, Chicago. Yeah. I mean, it's even London, Berlin. They're all in the fall now, so. Yeah. But you know what? Life will go on. We'll be yeah, okay. For sure. Um, so what are these Boston weekends usually like for you? Um, usually it's, you know, some work with the John Hancock because I've been coaching their team for, geez, about eight years now. And that's been a lot of fun. Um, but it's like any other big event. It's you spend time with friends. You know, you do some promo work that whatever they ask you to do. Um, which is always, I've never seen that as work. That's always fun. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I've been lucky enough since 2014, I get to call the finish line race. So, you know, or make, make the announcements at the finish line. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. It's great. And watch guys like you run. Well, thanks man. I just uh, have to sit there and watch. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, what do you, I mean, we've got the women's race up right now, but what do you feel like the biggest change is um, since you were running and, you know, obviously winning in 1983 to the current day of racing? Well, I think obviously the African influence has been the biggest change. Um, you know, they, they obviously took over the roads for a lot of it, but it's nice to see Americans creeping back into that mix. Um, on the women's side, I, I think, you know, they, they don't take a back seat to, to many people. Uh, obviously, the, the world record last year was a shocker, but um, I think the Americans <clears throat> have done a great job of getting themselves back into the mix on things. Um, well, I, I was just going to interject really quickly and say that, um, you know, it's interesting that, Greg, you ran 209 flat in 1983 when you won the race and Scott you ran 209.09 uh, last year to get seventh 
so in a lot of ways, I think, and, and I think when you look at other PRs, for both of you guys, you are pretty similar athletically and there's the difference, right? You know, there's, there were six East Africans in front of you, Scott. Um, whereas Greg, you had three, four Americans behind you. Um, so it's just, it's just a little bit of a different ball game. Oh, it's, it certainly is. And, you know, and, and I think part of it, it too is <clears throat> the money came into the sport, you know, and back in the day, um, Chicago had money. New York had under the table money. Boston had nothing back then. So you were running just to get that trophy in the laurel wreath. Well, maybe some bonuses from the shoe companies, but it, I mean, it's a different game now. And I think, you know, the marathon is where the big paydays are. So all of the talent gravitated to it. That and the technology of shoes. Yeah. Well, and kind of speaking of that, uh, like you had to race a ton of times just to, I mean, I assume, you know, in your build up to 1983, you raced like every single weekend almost. I assume, I assume that's mostly to pay the bills. It was to pay the bills, but we liked racing. It wasn't just about the training back then. It was about racing. And what was different back then than now is there was a group of us, I feel, we were actually building a sport. You were out doing things um, because of the prize money coming into it and stuff. You wanted to support those things. Um, you, it, it was just a different time. You know, it's, while in some ways it's a more mature sport, I don't know that it's all necessarily a better sport now. It takes better care of a few people, not as many. Uh, to your general idea, Scott, I. Greg, I remember you telling me, I believe once or hearing you say this, that one of the things that maybe was different back then as well, because the marathon didn't necessarily for you guys have this same, it didn't, it, you weren't putting it on a pedestal. You saw Boston as another road race. It just happened to be 26 miles long. Um, am I right about that? And, and, and did that help you uh, tackle the marathon in a different way than folks who uh, treat it like um, something that is um, larger than life? I think so. I think, you know, Bill Squires back in his day, if you could decipher what he was saying, was a pretty wise guy. And it, instead of going to a race like Chicago, or Chicago wasn't that big of a deal back then, but um, instead of going to New York or one of the other big ones, he sent me to Detroit for my first marathon because he wanted me to get a feel for the distance, but also to be in it to win the very first time. He wanted me to treat it like another race. And so I think that helped, um, you know, but again, I only had a few good marathons. I wasn't, I was too big to run the marathon. It, it broke me down. Um, I just got lucky on a couple of good ones. <laughs> well, yeah, you really cashed in on your good ones. Uh... <laughs> Timing is everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, do you feel like in some ways you're kind of like a, like the forgotten American Boston champ? Because we always talk about Bill Rogers and we talk about Meb, but I mean, you won it too. Do you ever feel kind of that way? Not at all. Okay. Um, Bill Rogers won it four times. Yeah. Well, you know? um, Joan Benoit Samuelson won it and set a world record. Um, she won it twice. Uh, Boston treats me very well. Um, them allowing me to stay engaged in the race has been just a terrific, same way with Chicago. 
Chicago allows me to stay engaged in the race as a past champion. But no, I think, you know, with Meb, time, again, timing is everything. Yeah. Meb won in a year where we just were coming off the bombing. It, and it was, it was a great thing for American distance running that an American won. Um, never going to be disappointed with that. So, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's very cool that they keep you so involved. I've, I've, I've seen you out there on the course on a, on a, a cold uh, Sunday morning giving out uh, fluids, and it's very neat. Um, as a Boston champ, when you're speaking to the John Hancock group or whoever it might be, wh what are some of the basic tips that you give about training for Boston and then racing Boston? The training tips are you have to be consistent. You know you have to get enough leg strength to cover the course. And for a lot of people, I tell them flat out, it may mean you're going to do a run-walk. If your goal is to get to the finish line and you've never run farther than a mile or two in your life and you're going to do a, you know, a four or five month training, you need to have a real good plan that's going to get you to the finish line. So it's all about building up the leg strength. In terms of the actual race, it's, I tell people this all the time, you got to go out under control. If you don't go out under control, you're not going to have legs the last six miles because the downhill is going to kill you. Um, you've got to just manage your emotions and your energy over the whole thing. Um, I use the example of Tom Watson at the British Open. He said one time, he, he goes, I know the course so well. I know where I can score and where I can't score. And I just focus on those places. That's the same as Boston. I was lucky enough to know the course. I knew where I could score and knew where I just had to hold my place. You know, so it served me well. I tell people always, go to Boston, try to run some segments of the course to get ready. If you're going to be serious about it, know the course. Fobbs, how much did that help you, running the course? Because we did that. Yeah, yeah. I think it helped a lot. Like, not only knowing um, sort of like the miles, like, 15 to 16 is so downhill and knowing that's coming and kind of knowing the contour of the hills, but also knowing that if your legs are under you, the last five miles are actually pretty fast. And um, knowing that that's not just a survive, get to the line sort of situation, like that's kind of rip it time. Greg, Only if you still have the legs. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You got the legs. <laughs> yeah. So Greg, I was reading some of the recaps. I even read a, one in the New York Times uh, of your 1983 win. So it seemed like you took the lead on the hills, um, maybe toward the top of heartbreak or, or so. Um, it was, it was leading into heartbreak. Leading into, yeah. leading into heartbreak. So Scott has the experience of being in the front at Boston, uh, but never really pulling away. Uh, and of course, he was seventh. You have that. Um, memory of, of being in the lead and then, and then pulling away, but you didn't, you didn't really blow it wide open. Were you running scared the rest of the way? What, what were the last five miles like after you took the lead? Well, I got away from Benji between the, the second and heartbreak hill. And I was still running pretty good up until 23 miles. And again, you're always nervous that somebody might be coming. I found out later at about 23 miles, I had about a minute lead. There was a guy in the press truck that yelled to me because I kept looking behind me thinking, Billy or somebody's got to be coming. It can't be this easy. <laughs> um, and a guy in the press truck yelled to me, 
relax. There's nobody back there. And I went from still running five minutes a mile to over 520 for the last three miles because I relaxed. Wow. Um, the whole game plan with Squires, <clears throat> we never talked about time. It was only about how you were going to win the race. And that's how Billy always used to run. He didn't care about time. He'd crush you in the middle and coast in or do what he had to do and coast in. I wasn't thinking that I was coasting in, but when all of a sudden somebody tells you to relax, it changes your mindset. Um, I sometimes regret that that person yelled at me because I might have run a few seconds faster. You know, nice. but at least one would have been nice. What's that? At least one second would have been nice. You know, <laughs> and somebody asked me afterwards because it wasn't that far off the record, you know, and it, records come and go. Win in Boston stays with you for life. Yeah. yeah. I still get fed from that, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Greg, let me, um, if, if you're cool with it, you know who we've got on the line next? Your buddy, Dathan. Yeah. Let's, let's pull Dathan on. Fobbs, you talk to Dathan and Greg. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a quick break. I'll be back. I'm going to get Dathan on here right now, and then I'll put the, uh, I'll put the race on the screen too. Okay. We should see him show up here in a second. I know. He's pretty skinny. Does the camera get him? There he is. Hey, Dathan. Hear me? Look who we got. <laughs> can we you got, hear me? Yeah, we can yeah. hear you. Oh, gosh. Look at that guy up at the top. <laughs> hey, in another couple of years, your hairline's going to look like this. That's okay. You, look, you pull it off good. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know we're neighbors damn near, right? I knew you guys lived in the same town. I didn't know you guys were neighbors. Then, well, what are you, about five, six miles away? Yeah, I drive past his house and make sure he's still staying at home because he's a, he's in the high risk bracket of uh, being yeah. over. <laughs> <laughs> more, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> well, Dathan, how are you recovering after the trials? I'm doing good now. It was a rough go, though, for sure. Yeah. Um, I spent the next uh, the next four days in bed. I didn't move. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I had the uh, whole COVID thing, but I had like a 102 fever and cough for three weeks. So maybe the then said it was just maybe extreme exertion. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. You know, it's been a while, so I'm, I'm all right now. Good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, have you rewatched this Boston at all since the, since we ran it? If I have, it's been a long time ago. So I, I mean, I think probably originally right afterwards, maybe, but it's, mm -hmm. I haven't seen it. And I tried to pull it up because I didn't know if you guys would have it on. So I pulled it up on NBC Sports, but I haven't watched it at all. Okay. Uh, so as I rewatched it and we, when we were prepping for this, the thing that really uh, struck me, so we came through 5K in 1512. And then do you remember there being like a really big surge right after that? I remember being really fast, you know, like you can never tell because it's so downhill, right? But, uh, you know, at the same time, uh, it was pretty, like it, it wasn't hot yet, you know? So it didn't feel too bad, but I remember not feeling super comfortable early on. So I don't know if it was that or being out fast, but I mean, we did end up going fairly quick through, but uh, the, the only other time I had ran it, we had been out like way faster too. So, um, so I guess I was mentally prepared for that, but. Um, but yeah, I don't remember 5k, like a, a huge injection of pace. I just remember feeling uncomfortable. 
because I remember there was a big move. Maybe it was more like 10K. There was a big move at the water station. Uh, and then we, it was like you, me, uh, Jared, and um, Shaddy. And we were back. We were maybe like 25, 30 seconds back. And we just yeah. had to... I remember you being like a really calming presence and just being like, we just got to keep the rhythm, keep the rhythm, keep the rhythm. And yeah. in my mind, I was kind of like, we might never touch the lead again. Um, <laughs> but what was kind of going through your, your head then as kind of like a more, you've been through that situation before. You're right. It was about 10K because I remember um, then us being back, you know, right after you get kind of past that, um, what, what's that uh, town? Is it, is it Brookline? Where, where's the town about 10K? Greg? 10K? Framingham. Yeah. Framingham. So you get past that, and then you start getting back to where it gets a uh, – you go past the train tracks and all that stuff, you know. And then I remember us being in a pack of Americans, and I think uh, a couple of the Army guys went up ahead, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, they started, you know, pulling away. And I remember it being exactly like how it was like five years ago uh, when I had ran, and I had to just let the pace go because it got so fast. And so I remember thinking the same thing. Okay, it's not super comfortable, but if we sit back here, you know, maybe they kind of slow it back down. And uh, I remember being in a pack with, uh, with you guys, and, um, and we did slowly start, you know, reeling guys back in, and uh, it, was a, it was a good, comfortable pack. And I think it was a, it was a good group working together for sure at that point. Yeah, because then we, we caught back up at 15K, and I remember you kind of went – right to the front and it wasn't like we either of us wanted to be there necessarily or like made a move but like they had slammed on the brakes and our momentum kind of just took us took us through yeah it felt exact you know like I said I was like in my mind I'm thinking all right this is perfect this is just like 2015 when I ran I was way dropped they slowed down I caught back up and then got to the front and then you basically did exactly what I did in that that year and you just kept rolling with it and let them right up over the top of the hill. But I, I, my quads were back somewhere about, you know, 13, 14 miles. And I remember just watching you guys go away. But it was about that point in the race, yeah, where I remember getting back up to everybody, kind of moving to the front and thinking, okay, maybe, you know. And it always would go back in your mind. Like, Ned kind of got it. They let him go away. You never know if you're going to be the guy that they let go away. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they didn't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was uh, one of those things where I think we just kind of kept the same pace going. We didn't do anything crazy. They just slammed on the brakes. Yeah. Greg, when you would race Boston, um, were there that kind of, those kind of surges or was it more steady? Do you remember? Surges. Um, Bill Rogers used them all the time when he won. Um, <clears throat> when I ran in 83, it was, well, even in 81, there were surges which dropped me at about 18 miles when Seiko won, Virgin got second and Rogers third. <clears throat> but um, no, when, when we were running, it was Squires programmed it so that if it felt like the pack was slowing down, I was supposed to go to the front, make a surge for a certain amount of time, get the pack rolling, then tuck back in again. Lucky, lucky enough for me, at halfway, Benji Durden got that, wild hair going and he just took off so didn't have to worry about surge and just throw the tow rope out and keep him in sight. Nathan and Scott how, how, how much were you guys chatting during this thing? I remember exchanging a few words about uh, about hey let's just keep it let's just keep it 
you know, like this is when we got pulled away a little bit when we were in a group and they were up ahead. I remember we said something, there was something like, let's just, let's just keep it together. Let's just be, you know, like, let's just keep it steady and we'll, they'll come back. Hopefully. Um, I think that was, I think that was it. Right. I remember that. And I remember, um, somebody was clipping Shaddy a lot and Shaddy <laughs> got really mad at him. He had the, and, he had uh, the anger come out. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, I think he flipped him off. <laughs> it's a hard man to get to get upset but if you you poke the bear too much he, he gets crazy yeah i think i remember that very distinctly <laughs> yeah and uh and i do remember saying something to jerry once we got kind of up there too um we caught back up and we kind of got back up in that group and um but it was shortly thereafter that you guys i started only seeing the back of you guys i mean i want to say you guys started when did you guys really start moving away from us about 12 miles, 13? Yeah, I think right around 11 or 12, Jared, it seemed like maybe tried to steal it. He's like, if I put in a really hard mile now, they'll let me go. Yep. And um, the pack did let him go, but then they did that thing where they like closed down the gap really, really fast. And it was me and Chatty behind um, up until like 15, I think. 15 or 16. Yeah, but I think we came through the half together in 104.40. Yeah. It's scary when you get through, when you get out that fast. Yeah. <laughs> Greg, when when you're watching a race like uh, last year's and there's so many Americans doing well, I mean, are you pulling for everybody? Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, was it five years ago when Dathan was? You ended up third, right? Seventh, but thanks. Seventh? Yeah, but yeah, but you were you were in the hunt for a long time yeah. after 21 miles. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you're jumping out of your chair cheering for these guys. After Med won, he was he knew that the gravy train was coming to an end, you know. So oh, he, like, he could cheer for any American. It was okay. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah. That's just not nice. <laughs> <laughs> Dathan, what's your favorite part of the course? You know, Boston's one of those courses where it's just everything builds, you know. Like, it's so cool, but they're also distinct, too, you know. The other big city marathons – they all they're all started in the city and but you have this surreal feeling where you're I wouldn't call it the country but you're definitely out there and it seems a little more rural and it just continues to build and build and build and I really liked it when you finally turns you know like off from onto uh, Commonwealth right it's about 18 ish right Greg just before 18 yeah right at 18 Cause it's like, oh my gosh, I, I've been staring at this for so long. Just this one thing. I'm just looking forward to one turn here, and uh, of course, that's where it got really hard for me. So then I couldn't really appreciate that anymore. But <laughs> you know, like you could start to really, you know, like you kind of start looking forward to those hills because it's just, you know, until 16, it just, yeah, you're just kind of pounding down, and then you're like, I'm just, I'm, I know that something's going to happen here. This is where it happens usually in the marathons and definitely in Boston and. And I think you just start to build this excitement, like this is kind of getting ready for the big knockout punch, you know, or that this is when the big hits start coming. Before that, people are just kind of tiptoeing around and, you know, and after that, it's when the guns come out. And so I think it kind of builds that point, you get there and you're like, all right, it's time to go. Yeah, for sure. Fobbs, were you, when you got to that point that Dathan's talking about, did you, did you feel like full of run? Like, were you? thinking to yourself I want to take the lead and push or was it just kind of natural like was happening before um I don't remember thinking a ton I remember just kind <laughs> of like just kind of acting 
Um, but I had gone through like a tough patch from like maybe 12 to 15 or 16 or something when we had been kind of separated. Uh, so when you kind of came out of that, I was feeling really good again. Like I wasn't in any sort of like uh, any bad patch. So I remember being like pretty excited to make that turn and know the moves were going to come because I felt like I was going to be able to cover them. Greg, did you, when you won it in 83, were, were there uh, bad patches like, like these guys are talking about or did you have one of those days? My bad patch was in the first probably seven or eight miles. It just felt lethargic. But after that, no, it felt pretty good the whole way. You know, it's, it sort of came, came to be like I, I envisioned it, you know. When, but again, I was training on the course every week. So, you know, I always envisioned coming off a heartbreak in the lead, and that's kind of what happened. So, no, I, I, had, a, I had a good day. I mean, it's, I didn't seem to be any down spots, really. Nice. Nathan, what's, what's your day like that in the marathon? What, what day do you say, boy, I just had a good one that day? I know you have a number of good ones. Well, yeah, I mean, Greg talks about, you know, you envision coming over Heartbreak Hill in the lead. And I think in 2015 at Boston, that was definitely, that's one of those moments. And, and I did finish well, you know, like uh, I was seventh, but very close to third still. And it was, uh, it was one of those races where I felt pretty good all the way. And I maybe, I think I was, I thought that I wouldn't feel good because I didn't run very much volume and I was a little beat up going in. So I just kind of thought, I don't know. But sometimes it just happens, you know, and you do get like the bad patch, like Greg said at seven, and then all of a sudden, like it's like it's like you're not the same person, you know. Sometimes you got to talk yourself into it. And when I ran my PR, for sure, I had moments where, uh, you know, early on I'm like, I don't know, but then I remember having a pacer, Kenyan guy, and he was uh, going to go to 30k, and he did. He made it like all the way to 30k, and I I was talking to him. I was saying. I'll give you a thousand dollars for every kit you can make it after this. And he had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> was like three minutes, three minutes. And, uh, and he peeled off at 30 K he was done. But I just remember, you know, like, you know, just, just thinking, you know, you get in the rhythm and you go, but, um, but the doubts always creep in at some point, you know, and it's funny, you can even be feeling good and the doubts creep in. And I think that, you know, like being able to overcome that stuff is what makes the really special days like Greg winning in 83 or Scott running in 209. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't always happen effortlessly. You know, sometimes there's moments in the race and you were like, there's no, there's no way that that would have turned out that way, you know, and you think how different things could have been. Fobbs, how, how conscious of a decision was it when you, ran that really fast mile from 15 to 16 to catch back up. It just felt really natural. Um, Cause that mile is so downhill and we'd done so much downhill work that um, I just kind of opened it up and just like let the legs flow. And um, I kind of knew at that point where like, if I didn't catch up then it was going to be really tough. So maybe I put a little bit more into it, but I don't remember it being like all that hard. I remember knowing I was going fast, but it feeling pretty good. Greg, did you guys used to, um, everybody thinks about the uphills and the Newton Hills. Did you work a lot on the downhill sections too when you were in Boston training for it? Always, always. And Squires would harp on that. <clears throat> After 81, 
you sort of knew what the course, I knew what the course could do to me. Um, so you prepared for that. And, you know, it's, but we also had strategies around how we were going to run those. I didn't try to run the downhills fast. I just wanted to be under control and then run the flats or wherever I could, even a little bit of the uphill when I needed to harder. But no, we, we just wanted to stay under control and not have the course beat us. We wanted to make sure it was the competition if we lost that was going to do the trick. And Nathan, I, go ahead. I Greg's, um, when I was going to run Boston in, in 2015 for the first time, I met Greg here at the cafe and he told me, you know, he brought his running log, you know, from, uh, from 83 and 82 and 83. But, and so I went all through it, you know, and I thought, and this is something that when I, when I realized, you know, like I, he was running so much indoor, so much fast stuff. So he was on the course, but I think he was just doing stuff where his really long stride, you know, and things like that, that loads your quads too. Like maybe not purposely, but it just happens. And I don't know, that was the one, that was one thing that I also did that had success. Cause I mean, there's, there's a cost benefit to doing tons and tons of downhill work. And, and so I, I just thought that from looking at Greg's log, he had some really big weeks in there. Definitely like 135 a couple of times, but a lot, I mean, there was only a few, a lot of it was, he was running some fast indoor stuff and he always had really good long runs and stuff. But I mean, he ran, when he ran 359 in the mile, you know, like that's for that January. I think one of the things that you learn about the downhill is you have to have the turnover to do it easy. And I think having that train, that speed training, you know, the harder intervals that Warhurst would always harp on us on, I think that paid dividends. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, I think what I'm hearing as much as anything is you were just fit. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, you just have to be really fit, um, especially for Boston, because uh, it's just one giant cross country race. And uh, that's kind of what I feel about cross country. You're going to run it best when you're just super fit man you know and you're you're on the line for a cross-country race but you feel like if you were on the line for a 10k or a 5k or a mile or a half marathon you could also run really well and i think yeah. boston's got some of that i think all of you have been at the starting line where you've been so fit you kind of knew that if somebody were going to beat you they were going to have to be really really good that day you know and that's the kind of way that's what you want when you go into a big race as you get there and you go, man, I, I got no complaints. If this doesn't go well, it's on me. Dathan, do you wish um, you would have run Boston more often? Yeah, definitely. It's, I think it's one of my favorites. I mean, just so unique, you know, um, I guess I've ran Chicago twice and I ran New York three times and uh, having run Boston only twice, it's just uh I guess I, I was going to run it a couple times and got hurt. I was going to run it the 2018 year and I was super fit, but you know, too fit, <laughs> didn't make the line. And um, I was going to run it one other time earlier, I think like 2014 and uh, just never, never got over some nagging problems early in the winter. And just, and so it was like, I look back and I'm like, man, I, I feel like I should have ran it like five times, <laughs> you know, that was just, that was one of those races that, um, I don't want to go back and do it, you know, just to, to, you know, just to do it. Like you want to have that experience where you're like, you feel so amazing, so fit, you know, like you can do anything. And 
And uh, like Greg says, it's like when you're on the starting line and you just know you're like that, it, it's, a, it's a special feeling. It's like you just know like you're ready to go. And I wish I would have had a few more times to do that. When was it? Three years ago that you got hurt right before Boston? It's the 2018 year. The 2018 yeah, year. Ago. I've never seen anybody as fit as you. Yeah. I couldn't keep Greg, up. On, I couldn't keep up on a mountain bike. What was he track. doing? Give, give, what, what, what was he doing that was so amazing? God, <laughs> what, what was that workout you did on the White Pine Trail? You went out at like, you did eight. Well, you warmed up. I don't know how far. Well, you, I, you guys, you guys know this one. Uh, so it's you know Kevin's. Kevin's. Uh, you guys use this one too. The two times six miles. Oh yeah. And so, but I would warm up and cool down five miles. <laughs> so I'd warm up five, cool down five. And I did, uh, so I did the first, I don't remember the exact pace that I was running, but I ran, uh, I was 60, so I ran the, I ran two miles in between because I was running so fast. I ran 530 pace. So I did like, the first one was like 450 pace for the first uh, six miles. And then I ran like 530 pace for two miles. And then the last, uh, the last two, uh, the last six miles was uh, low 440 pace. So I ran like 63 minutes or something like that. And Greg was just talking to me as you know the whole time. And that was my last really good workout. <laughs> and, then, and then I, you know, then I got hurt after that. <laughs> you had done that 20 miler too. Out on yeah, the I actually did drop drop him on the bike. I had to go back and decide: Do I want my drink or not? Because it was a hilly, hilly 22 miles. Swear to God. I mean, I have never <laughs> seen anybody fitter than this. And I thought, God, if he just – and I remember telling you, just get to the starting line, man. He tells me that all the time. Oh, my – she's – I have never seen anybody as fit as you were then. It was unbelievable. Yeah, you always look back and think, what if? But <laughs> Nathan, um, I, I, I feel this way because I've watched you race for so long. Do you do – you, um, with how Scott races, it remind you of yourself a little bit. Yeah, I like to I like to see him push like that. You know, like I, he's smart, but he sticks himself in it. You know, and you can't always lead, but you got but you got to put yourself in position. And a lot of times you will stumble, you fall, right? You won't make it. But if you never put yourself there, you're never going to know. And so Scott does does that. You know, he puts himself in the race, and sometimes you know, sometimes it ain't going to happen. But Boston last year it did you know like I mean he had a because he ran 209 there low and it was not that great I mean like it was warm it was humid like I mean it wasn't like horrible but it, it could be faster you know and but he put himself in that position and so if you're not willing to take the risk and just put yourself out there you're never going to have the big ones either and so to see him do that, it's cool. Like, I think that he's got – how many marathons have you run now? Five? Uh, four. Four. I mean, you're not even, not even getting started yet, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty cool to see. I think, uh, I think the next four years is going to be pretty awesome for him. Well, thank you, Dathan. I, I appreciate you saying that. Well, thanks, you guys. We got, we got Jared Ward coming on next. So we're going we're gonna to let you guys go. But this was super fun. Dathan, Greg, thanks a ton. And, thank you. Um, and enjoy the rest of your day. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Stay guys. healthy. <laughs> you too. <laughs> okay. Woo. That's cool, Scott. Yeah, that was great. That was awesome. God.
Those guys are great. Michigan guys are tough. 